0: Ooh. I'm going to cut oh, that out I don't know why I said that
1: <laughs> How you doing everybody Welcome to Writers House On Ringer FC oh, All's well with you all And you are happy and Healthy. Going to touch on online abuse because it's there again. Arsenal Man United. We're going to have a little chat about Arsenal Man United. And I'm going to give some flowers to Patrick Bamford because he deserves them. Well done this weekend, Patrick Bamford. And my guests this week are Ryan Hun and Mr. Carl Anker.
2: This episode is brought to you by Neutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Everything dogs do, they give their 100 percent Feed them food to help them keep giving it their all with Neutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Neutro, feed clean. Learn more at Neutro.com. Made with non-GMO ingredients, trace amounts may be present due to potential cross contact during manufacturing.
3: This episode is brought to you by the Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-in Hybrid. The Volvo XC90 Recharge plug-in hybrid is designed for the ultimate safety test: climate change. Because when driving in pure mode, you're driving electric for everyone's safety. Visit volvocars.com/us. How you doing, Ryan? How
1: you doing, Carl? We're nodding. We're nodding
0: we're on nodding. an audio podcast. You're <laughs> not on an
1: audio podcast. It doesn't work. But like, <laughs> I'm you know sorry. what? Um, is everything cool? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm
0: good. I'm good. Snowing here.
1: Is it snowing? Oh, beautiful.
0: Yeah, it was big. We had a big snow on Friday and it's stuck and it's just kind of just topping up every now and again.
1: I've d- I done one of those things yesterday. Um, I've done one of those scenarios where, you know, when someone says, how are you doing? Everything cool? And I said, actually, I'm... T- No, no. (laughs) you know something, I know that there's people out, there's people out there listening to this who are probably um, much worse off than me. And you always have to think like, I've thought like that, even not being in a pandemic, just in in normal every day, but you know, when you just don't feel good, you just don't, I don't feel good. And I'm not going to, and what I've I've done when, when they said, so how are you doing? I gave them about 15 minutes of why I wasn't. And you know, when they're trying to, they're actually just asking just because it's just a... A conversational yep. one, but I said, no, actually, because at the moment with everything what's going on, with everything, what you read, what's going on with people, with how I feel at the minute, you know, seeing what my kids are going through, seeing what their people are going through, what my brother's going through. Oh. Like I said, I just think that people shouldn't, don't hold that in, you know, when you're feeling like that, simply because in this time, because mm-hmm. like I say, we do our stuff, then you have to, then you're back to staying in the house, doing your stuff. The girls, my kids are doing the stuff, my miss is doing the stuff. If you're feeling like that, you've got to get it out in some way. And I don't know if I done that on purposely, but I felt a lot better when I just said, "Yeah." So now I just bam, you can get back on with it. So mm. I'm just hoping that you know you just ease ease through the week again because we don't know it's the, the it's the it's the fact that we don't know what's happening when it's going to happen in that, and you don't know when to expect it to stop. So when that when those moments come, mm. and I'm not no mental expert, but you kind of embrace it a little bit. Don't feel like you have to not say to people, no, I don't feel great. Speak.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Speak. Tell people because like that is where it all gets suppressed. And then people start getting into this kind of like depressive state. Speak, man. Don't be fucking afraid to speak. Tell people you don't feel good. Even when they don't really want to know, but they are saying, "Hey, feeling?
0: Not great. <laughs> hey, do you, want some, do you want some good news though? It's episode 15. Oh God, I-, I don't know why that felt like it's. Nice. Uh, and I was thinking, and I was thinking before we get onto like the actual topics that we're doing. Mm. That's not any favorite number 15s Number 15s.
1: throughout your lifetime, uh, probably Ray Parla. Ray Parla was number fifteen, I think. I was going to say Stefan Schwartz. <laughs> was it Stefan Schwartz? It might have been Stefan Schwartz.
0: Yeah, he he had it before. He had it before Ray, I think. Yes. Yes, man. He was actually, I think, a bit of a pioneer for the existential yellow. He was. Actually. He was a
1: real tough tackling guy. It's a nice touch, man, for Stefan. You know what? Can I just say while we're, we're on Arsenal? I think that this transfer window, right? What do you think? I think it's
0: in a pandemic because someone of those players probably would have been sold. I think it's pretty good. I do as well. So obviously Arsenal don't really have a Michael Edwards type character there who can all of a sudden get 45 million euros for someone who you didn't even know was still there. So I think the priority for Arsenal was trimming the wage bill because mm. their wage bill has been so bloated for so long. And there were there were a lot of people there who weren't playing who were getting paid a hell of a lot of money. Mm. It was like twofold. If you can't get transfer fees for these people, make the squad more streamlined mm. from a wages point of view yeah. and from a personnel point of view. And I think they've done pretty well, to be honest. I think Carl as well. When you, I feel for, I feel for Reese. I think something needs to happen for Reese. I'm
1: pleased for people like for for Joe and that. I'm delighted for Joe, but like for for Reese, I worry. But. I think that when you do as, the, the business that Arsenal done, the bad business, what they've done for the last, for the years, at some stage, you're going to have to pay for those bad decisions. And I think that's what they're doing now. If they have to pay people and get them out, then you have to do it just to give Mikel the, the pieces that he needs.
4: Yeah, it's just, I think it's just, this January was just one of the weirdest transfer winners we've seen. Because, I mean, normally in January, it's hard to buy. Mm. Um, and now you've got this added layer of COVID-affected finances. And now you've got this sort of, Half and half of maybe the Euros are going to happen. Maybe they might not happen. So you've got some players that do want to move because they want to get a football in, so they can do certain things. Just to, just in case they want to get international team. But also we don't know. So like the fact that Delhi still at Spurs is a bit surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that really is quite sad.
1: That's yeah, sad. Watching Gareth like- Bale play is sad. Watching a player like that, watch a player of that calibre play like that and going out like that. I mean, for
4: Bale, one, it's the injuries, right? So you can have all the talent and you can do all the ice baths and eat all the right foods and whatnot. But if your hamstring goes ping, your hamstring goes ping. So I think there's that. And then there's just, I mean, we still don't know what was going on in those years at Real Madrid with Zidane and whatnot. And then, I mean, yeah, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty sad watching that hour against Brighton and Gareth Bale yeah. just couldn't get past the player I'm going mm-hmm. okay well all right that's that's you now you're going you're going to go
1: have your euros with wales and that's going to be a really good moment he doesn't seem to have the energy man he d- do you think if the fans are in that might if the fans were in that might have given him something cuz he looks uh, like yeah. I, think something
0: I think so cuz we were talking about this on studio actually mm-hmm. and i kind of just came up with a bit of a theory on the fly that had been on my mind about how i'm i'm starting to wonder what the actual in addition to everything the players are going through, the fact that fans aren't there on a sustained level now it has been almost a year, mm. I do wonder how that's affected them as well. Because having, like, Carl, you've been to games behind closed doors. We all have, actually, right? He's covered them on TV. Mm. I've done some in Germany. And the the thing that I found most interesting when I was there was that it kind of feels like you're playing on another planet. It feels like you're playing separate from real life. Mm. Yeah. If you're feeling like that and you're just sat there watching, imagine if that's your... Day to day, like last-minute winners, don't get met with the same level of jubilation yeah. because there is no one there to experience it. So I do wonder whether there is just a bit of a kind of like fuck. None of us are actually really massively enjoying this that mm-hmm. much at the moment, and I think that that could have contributed to maybe the bail thing at Spurs not working right. out as well as it. Did. I hope and, it's something like that.
1: I hope it's something like that, and I hope it's just not him just going through the motions because it's very easy for people to just say that. Just oh, he's going through the motions. When he came back, I was fucking ecstatic for him. The way he's been treated at in, in in Real Madrid, Carl. It's one of those where you see him on the bench, he's not done that he wants to play. And I was thinking, who was it? He blasted past, scored one of the greatest goals ever in the derby. Was it Oh, in the Copa del Rey. Or Mark yeah. Barger. Yeah. And you think to yourself, <laughs> the way he was treated by the Real Madrid fans when he was capable of doing that and what he could have been capable of is that all he wanted was love, surely. In the end, like Musa said, it's all about love man man. i suppose it's um it's reading what people say about him i can't help but take it personally because he was at southampton at a young age the same time as bradley was and when i used to see him i used to see bradley and that so you kind of get that kind of love for him Mm -hmm. talking about that and then when you when you you see what people say about him i just don't like don't like reading it and to to be honest it's it's perfect because the online abuse, like what Marcus Rashford done. And I was going to say to you, Carl, as well, especially about the way he dealt with it and the way he's... How, how do you think he dealt with that? Was that good for you?
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I work with Marcus Rashford sort of now. So <laughs> I think the way he's carrying himself, I think what's very important for Marcus is that he's always true to himself. And, and the fact he says, you know, he's a proud black man and he didn't he didn't want to share the screenshots. Mm-hmm. Um, and these screenshots of racial he got were circulating, but he said he didn't want to share them.
1: I think that was a good move.
4: You didn't want to give him oxygen. I think,
1: Yeah, because the person who's doing it, Carl, are doing it for that particular reason. They want their thing to be, to be shown on there. They want yeah. it.
4: And I think that's true to himself. I don't want to say it's right or wrong because, you know, I've been, I've got racist comments on social media. You've got racist comments on social media. And, and a lot of the time I don't want to share it. And I don't want to do screenshots, but there are some times where I do. And I don't, you know, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just what feels right for you in that moment, I think. And I think this is really difficult because we've been here. It feels like we're here every four we'll months, be, right? But We
1: will. It's, it's one of those that will always come back. It, it never goes.
4: Yeah. And Marcus, Rash, Marcus Rashid was the most tweeted at athlete in 2020. Um, he got loads of racist abuse after he missed the penalty at oh. the start of the 2019-2020 season. And then Twitter tried a new principle. And it's this, it's really hard right now because when I saw what happened, what those messages went out to Axel N'Zabi, to, to Anthony Marshall, to Marcus Rashford, I had a moment where I went up for a walk for like an hour yesterday and I came in and I checked my phone and then I found out someone was racially abusing Reece James. And I was a mouse going, more racism, more, <laughs> just sort of, I, know. I, took, I, took, I took my, you know, I took my eye off the ball for an hour and it was more racism. I was really, I was just like, okay, this is, and again, I, I always bring up the Tony Morrison quote about the function of racism is a distraction, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's this idea of it's trying to knock you off your pivot and it's trying to stop you from doing yeah, what you do. what you want to do. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you, Ian, and you've been subject to racist abuse for years and years and years and years. I've been subject to racist abuse for years and I know this isn't really going to stop for a while. And it's that thing of, on one hand, I understand that part of my job is of part of my job and job as in professional job and part of my job as in one reason why I'm on the planet Earth oh. seems to be I'm going to have to confront this several times. And there's also sometimes where I don't want to. I don't want to have to, every six months, have to explain why white person, people can't use the N-word. I don't have to explain what the pace and power thing is. Um, and one thing that got to me about the social media abuse was the conversation immediately turned to what can the social media companies do? And it was, let's let's talk about ID verification. Let's talk about this. And I thought, you know, the problem isn't the fact that there are anonymous accounts sending racist abuse. The problem is there are accounts solving, like sending racist abuse, right? And I think, I mean, my one, my mindset is very much informed by something Musa wrote a couple of years ago. Musa once wrote this thing about how Very often, we think of racism as something that needs to be fought, as if it's one big discrete thing, like it's Mm. a big concrete block or a big monster that you can punch in a car too. And Musa said, racism actually is like a a very subtle, small disease. It works like cholera in the water, Mm. and it's not enough to just say we're going to do education, 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 or we're going to do this one big thing. And you can see there are a lot of very nice people, a lot of well-meaning people, go, we're going to do this, this, and this. Simple. And I'm like, well, racism is a very deep, complex really? thing that's lasted for millennia, right? You can't beat it with a simple idea. No. And I don't know if the word beat it is, is the best way to do it. Um, I've got a quote here from Howard Zinn, and he said, we don't have to engage in grand heroic actions to participate in the process of change. Small acts when multiplied by millions of people can transform yeah. the world. That's it. I think that's the one, right? There was definitely a point in time where in the 90s, people thought it was acceptable to use one word or this word or this word. And it was the small, subtle work we all did together to get yeah. to a point where like, no, I don't want to use that word anymore. And I think that's more, that's what we should be doing, is trying to take a multifaceted approach. Is trying to understand that, yeah, we have got people out there who think it's really fun to send monkey emojis to football players from their toilet. And that, that has to be stopped, right? We have to get to a point where we understand that's a bad thing. And we, we do already, right? That's why we're having this conversation. We also have to get to a point where we understand subtler things, sort of like why certain words keep constantly being used towards black football players, right? We also have to get better at not only not constantly framing this conversation just in terms of football Mm -hmm. and, I don't know how long this will take. I don't think this is going to be over anytime soon. I'm sure we'll have a podcast, maybe when we're doing Righteous House episode 30 and we'll have a similar conversation. I want to believe things are getting
1: better. We'll be deeper than 30, I think.
4: Yeah. And I think, I think we've got a lot of very good listeners that understand some of the uh, obvious problems we've got with emojis and whatnot. But there is, there is constant work that needs to be done and there's constant work that needs to, to be untangled from our our mind like, i think a lot of it is like japanese knotweed where it's just there and it can just constantly wrap around your wrap brain around and it. even if you don't realize what you're doing you can be helping really uncomfortable situations continue and i have a lot of very nice well-meaning people that go oh my god i saw that racist abuse i can't imagine what that feels like mm. i understand why they say that because they say that because they want to make me feel heard they want they want to make me feel at ease and i a lot of the time i'm going to you know, It's people with a lot more power, a lot more money, a lot more access to, to, to resources saying, I can't imagine how that feels. And I, want, I really want to say, I need you to try. Yeah. Because if you can try and imagine how it feels, you, you can try understand. and imagine how to stop this. Yeah. right? I don't want a politician to say, I don't know what that feels. I don't want uh, uh, the CEO of a company to say, I don't know what that feels. I want a CEO to go, that is out of order. Mm. Tell me what you need me to do. And I'm going to go out and do it now. And I think those are the processes I need to get. To my life to get easier, if that makes sense.
1: It makes my shoulders slump. I think as well, to be honest, I think it's one of the factors that um, made me feel a little bit down again, um, simply because I, I can't understand how one person has the power to reach someone like that and it can't be, it can't go, it just, it baffles me. It baffles me that someone would want to use a platform this powerful to do that. Because at the end of the day, I know it's coming. Um, I won't, I'm, I'm, If I put up anything that is anti-racist, you know, LGBT, anything, anything, I don't look at the comments mm-hmm. because honestly, you look at the comments and it's, it's just horrible, man. And you know something it's again, you know, as you, you try not to. It's like when, like, when you know, when you're younger, when you got the scab and the scab's coming over, and, and it's really nice. But you think, let me just peel that bit off. It hurts a little bit, but it just—it's nice. Mm. That's what the comments do to you. You know, it hurts a little bit, but but sometimes you see something nice and you see some support, and you think, yes. But then you see, you see the the ones that come that you feel. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to help someone like you if you can say something like this, mm. and they're so confused about what injustice is. I've, I I found it unbelievable to understand, people couldn't understand what Colin Kaepernick was doing. I said, people surely cannot be that ignorant as to understand why th- that's being done, why the knee's being taken. And then you see it again, and I just feel that we'll probably find the person that, um, that, that, that abused Marcus Rashford, and you'll find it'd probably be some 17, 18 year old who people say, well, he should know better. Yeah, of course he should. Anybody should. You know, what I mean, there's no excuse. But at the same time, he probably deep down feels how he feels, but he just knows that, yeah. But what's going to happen to me?
4: Yeah, I think that's a big one as well. Is this? I, I think a lot. We've got a lot of well-meaning people go. I can't imagine what that feels like, or they say it doesn't make sense. And like, there are racists out there, right? Mm. And there are people out there that want to be racist, and the people out there that like saying stuff. They say stuff not because they're uneducated or because they're they're stupid or whatever. They're saying that because they want to hurt people,
1: right? It does hurt, man. It does hurt.
4: Last week, I joined Ian Wright and I joined Sean on a TV segment on Premier League. And the video went out on on YouTube and whatnot. And one of the comments went, oh, look, three black people discussing football. Must be a diversity hire. (laughs) That person isn't uneducated. That person isn't ignorant. That person knows what a diversity hire is. That person said that thing to be hurtful. That be person nasty, said yeah. that thing to be nasty. And I can go to that person, why did you say that? I can go to that person, why did you want to say that? And they're like, well, I want to say it. oh, That's what I think it is, right? And this is a function of racism and distraction. I can go about, I can spend an hour or two hours or whatever and try and argue my point that I'm not a diversity hired. I'm this and this and this and try and prove my humanity. Or I can simply go, I'm going to walk away from this and I'm going to go spend my time with people I want to
1: celebrate. See, yeah, but the thing is, Carl, and, and, and this is again, Rye, what people have to understand when you you try to let them understand that is that you read that. Carl's just told me that. That stays with me now because then you start thinking about it as, well, the Premier League have not done that. They've not got Kelly there as the only white person. And then me, an ex-footballer, has played at a certain level. My son, Sean's played at a certain level. Carl has written and is qualified to be sat there to explain what we're talking about. Why does the color of our skin have anything to do with what has got us to be sitting on those seats? And the only thing it is, right, is that people are not used to seeing it enough. So when they see it, in their their eyes, they're like, I guarantee you, they'll be like, what the fuck, hey. First thing you're thinking, hey, three black guys. That's what they'll think. Right,
0: I think for a lot of white people, speaking as uh, you know, straight white guy, the people who have never experienced discrimination or abuse based on their skin color or their gender, they confuse equality with their own oppression. Mm. You know, you see it with the whole like, we want our countries back, we want this back, we want this back. It's just like, no, you don't really. You just don't want to be held up to the same standards that women members of the LGBTQ community, people of color, have to adhere to in order to get the same opportunities that white people have got Mm. for decades, centuries, millennia, whatever. That's why that person's saying something like that, because fundamentally, in their head, they attach what's gone on in the last year or so with seeing three black people on a TV program, which should be, in my opinion, abnormal in no way. They put the two and two together and they say, Oh, that must be why. But it's just like, what are you going to do? Like, put, I'm not going to name names here, but I think we could all pull out a load of white pundits who are nowhere near the level of you guys and Sean, you know, probably would never have played for England, never played for the clubs that you guys played for, white journalists who don't articulate the game as well as Carl does. You could stick them all on mm. the same TV show and no one would bat an you eyelid know, because it's just like looking in the mirror for them.
1: You know, the thing as well though, with that, Rye is that what really does feel very, it's, it's very sad for me, is the just the blatant disrespect of everything we've done on that mm. to be able to sit on the chair. And mm. what I would love to, and, and speak about football, what I would love to say to that guy and people who've got the same kind of persuasion is what are you afraid of man yeah because you know what are you afraid if it doesn't come down to as basic as do you think that black people are going to get into a situation where they're powerful and then what start treating white people like we've been treated for hundreds and hundreds of years or something like the invisible racism and oppress you and this i said what are you i'd love to know what they're afraid of you know i watched last night which which was Unbelievable, ride.
0: Was it cars again? No. <laughs> the amount of times I just again randomly in the middle of the day, no. and I just hear Righty going Lightning McQueen. No. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it was the Super Bowl that wasn't the one in Arizona. That was just so interesting. I really loved watching that. Talk about 1993, the way that people came to get. This is what I will always be very infused and excited about is the way that you just see all the colours meshed into the ante. For me, that is that's what gives me joy mm. when I see that because I know that people that people want change. They do want change. And even now people want change. Even you speak I guarantee if we was able to speak to the guy who put that that comment on Carl about the diversity higher in his flippant throwaway manner. And you sat down with me, him, you and Sean And spoke to him. I guarantee you that guy would leave the vicinity, and he would admire us. Yeah. And so why can't we? Why can't they? Why can't? Why can't people get into that headspace instead of thinking, you know, oh, a diversity hire.
0: Can I take a positive example? Right, his house. You know, I'm the only white person involved in what is essentially a black show. There are five contributors. Four of them are black. You, Musa, Carl, Carl,
1: and 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 our white brother, me. And if it was a five-a-side side, yeah. if it was five team? I'd be in goal. Be very well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if it was a 5 side team, you'd play with four and I'd be on the bench. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No,
1: you'd be a rush <laughs> goalkeeper.
0: It's weird kind of picking up a show you're involved with, but people hit me up about it all the time. My dad adores this show. Oh, He's a 66-year-old so nice. white guy. Oh, yeah, not once has he ever brought up the fact that it's a predominantly black show. It's not a thing. It doesn't, ex- like it doesn't, it's not. Yeah. Um, it's not part of. I've never seen it in any show notes or anything that anyone's written about mm-hmm. it or any feedback, anything. And that, to me, is where we speak. Obviously, like my opinion as a straight white guy, which I understand is secondary to the people who actually have to go through this on a daily basis. But in my in in my opinion, that's where we need to get to on the whole. Whether that isn't that isn't that isn't a thing that people notice anymore it's not a thing it doesn't matter because for me you were mentioning that thing before about this um, like the super bowl thing like there's something really joyful about diversity Mm, it it does feel real bro it's beautiful it's just better and i think that
1: when people realize that we're meant to get along we're all meant to get along
4: it can be so easy to be afraid and it can be so easy to think there's there's just not enough space for all of us. Afraid of
1: what? What are they afraid of? I'd love to speak to people to find out what they think is going to happen. One of the most
4: powerful tools I have in mm. my life nowadays is asking people, who told you that? Mm. So when I, when people tell me about Colin Kaepernick, it's taken a knee for so-and-so reason or people are telling me certain things about Black Lives Matter and this, what I often go is, who told you that? Uh, and I go, what? I said, who told you that, the, you know, black people want to do this and this and this and this and this. I say, Who told you that? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. And then you say, Okay, so you don't know, but you have this idea in your head. I'm going to help you get that out of your head and tell you what actually is is going on because there's so much fear in this world. I feel I f- you, you can really, and especially now in lockdown and whatnot. And I definitely feel as if some of these social media comments have gotten worse because of lockdown. We're all trapped in our houses a little yeah. bit or feel trapped, right? You can feel as if. There's only so much to go around. And if someone's got something in their hand, that means you don't have something in your hand. And that's scary. Yeah. And I think, you know, fear, fear can be a really hard feeling to push past. But when you push past that, you start asking yourself questions. What am I afraid of? Why am I afraid of this? Why do I think this? When you push past it, the world is so much bigger and has the potential for so much more amazing things. And yeah. has the potential for so many more connections. If you just push past your knee-jerk scared reactions, mm. and I push oh, past, your, this is a diversity higher. Yeah, push past that, man. I don't, I don't believe this every day, but I do believe deep down things are getting better. I do believe, you know, Wrighty's house episode 30, we We're going to be talking about this again, possibly, but we're going to have more listeners that go. I remember Wrighty's house episode fifteen, and I thought about this, and I thought about this, and it, ch- mm-hmm. it challenged this way. And even though the steps might be. Small, as long as we keep going in a Let's direction. The steps,
1: man. Yeah. yeah, man. That's absolutely. It.
3: This episode is brought to you by the Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-in Hybrid. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-in Hybrid is designed for the ultimate safety test. Climate change, while driving in pure mode, produces zero tailpipe emissions outside. Its available advanced air cleaner helps optimize the air inside. The car you trust to protect your family now helps protect their future. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid, for everyone's safety. Learn more at volvocars.com US.
2: This episode is brought to you by Neutro Natural Choice Dog Food. Tail wags that could clear a coffee table. Getting a whiff of a new friend's behind. Chasing squirrels, even in their sleep. Everything dogs do, they do with everything they have. Neutro Clean Recipes gives them the energy they need to keep living their best life with recipes that help them give it their all. Made with non-GMO ingredients, except the trace amounts that may come in contact during manufacturing, Neutro Natural Choice makes it easy to feed your dog well. With no artificial flavors or preservatives and recipes that would make any dog drool, you'll both be doing a happy dance when you fill up their bowl. Neutro. Feed clean. Learn more at neutro.com. Trace amounts may be present due to potential cross-contact during manufacturing.
1: When I was watching the game the Arsenal Man United game, I was just so afraid because... I know Man United start pretty slowly and I was hoping that we'd start a lot quicker. But then when you watch the game, it just looked like two teams that were doing, that were doing, remember that? Um, what was that? (laughs) What was that? (laughs) That Remember the the gift you said? (laughs) The two kids with the karate. karate? (laughs) When I was watching it, I just could not stop thinking about the two kids with the karate. And then you're watching the game and now because you know, you're playing those games, you know, that at some stage, someone's going to get an unbelievable chance. Someone's going to get a mm-hmm. chance It's because it doesn't take much in that game because the, the players are so good that it's all about a movement and a, and and a, the right ball because the players on the pitch is able to to execute that pass and there's players on there who can make the run like Cavani, Fernandes, Pogba, you know what I mean? With Smith-Rowe can make that run, his Lacazette and that. But like, it just felt to me like it, it wasn't quite happening. But then the chances what Cavani had for Cavani were the kind of chances that you think if they, if he takes those, Carl, Man like people say, well, yeah, they didn't play particularly well, but they they won the game and they should win the game. That's why Cavani starts that game for me, and I think that that was a two massive misses from him. And I was quite pleased because I've seen Cavani in the past and I've seen him with some glaring misses. You know he's got that in him, but the way he missed that first the first one where he missed the whole goal, Leno was actually. Outside of the goal.
0: Mm-hmm. It was, it was like the, the um first. the Mikhail Antonio one against Palace last week. Yes. Where he hit the post. He hit the post, yeah. It was basically like a carbon copy of it, wasn't it? Because the book because I think the only thing was it's just the ball came at him at such pace, like Antonio, he just couldn't shape his body enough. Yeah, to but the thing is target. the
1: thing with that one, right? And this is why it's one of those that you you know when, when people talk about um a striker and uh, yeah, he's going through it, what do you do? That's the kind of thing you do in training, no goalkeeper. No one, some you just get somebody smacking the ball into you and then you do the basic stuff to get it on target. So you get your knee over the ball, you make sure it goes in. And mm-hmm. in that situation, you still miss when there's no one in there. But what it makes you do, it makes you focus on the exact thing you have to do for that to come in. Because the ball, the way the ball came into him, guys, is he literally just had to open his foot a bit. So much pace on it, but he didn't open his foot enough. And what I love about you're not doing it right, no matter how close you are. If you do not do the basics right, then you're going to miss. And what happened was, he didn't open his foot enough. It's that simple. We're talking about, we're talking about fractions, bro. But I mean, Cavani's, yeah.
4: Cavani's always been a really interesting. He's got a similar thing to younger Higuain, where his movement is so good. So good. So good. Like Cavani's movement is so good. It will look like he can score two goals every single game. Easily, Just off his movement. When it was at Napoli, it looked like he could get a hat-trick every game. I remember there was a Champions League game when it was at PSG against Arsenal. And it looked as if he could, he could have scored five goals mm. because his movement was just unreal. And Cavani's movement's always been best, one of the best of the generation and whatnot. And his finishing is okay to good, right? So he will look like he can score a hat-trick every game and then he will probably get you one.
1: You know the thing with him as well, Carl. You know what the thing with him is, right? Is that he's, he's the striker that... If he was more clinical, because you look at the m- amount of goals he's scored, and it's still phenomenal. But if he was more clinical with how he finishes, he could score goals without actually. You know, when you, as a striker, you want a shot where the where you run through one on one with a keeper or something like that. He can score goals just off his movement. So mm-hmm. then, like you say, there, Carl could score. Sometimes he's somebody that could score five and six in a game because just off of his movement, he can get tap ins. And then if he's really clinical on a particular day and he takes his one-on-ones because his movement is so good. And when I was watching him again the other day, even his movement for the second one, which was people think that, yeah, he's he's just like he's on a six-yard box, he's he's a yard out. But he got in there so quickly that the ball was behind him. So Mm. he was trying to actually hook it in. Now, that, that again, we're talking about fractions because you don't miss that if it's an easy chance. It's not an easy chance. Just like the first one would say, people say it's an easy chance. It's only an easy chance because of his proximity to the goal. But mm-hmm. the way that ball comes in, you cannot take it for granted that all you've got to do is connect. I'm Never, a- ever do that.
4: You once used this description for a defender. You said sometimes a defender can come in too hot. Yeah which I really, I really like using that one every now and again, is when you can, you basically you, you charge into the box and you're too hot and you're not quite at the same temperature as everything else. Yeah. And I think, well, I remember you saying that, I went, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I'm
1: charging think, too hot.
4: Yeah, I think Cavani charged in too hot for that second chance. That game was so, I mean, both teams had quite obvious weaknesses. So apparently partway through the game, Solskjaer told Rashford about Cedric. He went, he cannot defend. And you mm-hmm. cannot defend, run at him if you want.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And Rashford did two or three times, but you didn't he didn't quite get to the ball the same way he wanted. And in the same way, you know, Aaron and Bissaka mm-hmm. getting a lot better going forward. Uh, but if you can get across behind him, mm-hmm. there are some weaknesses. And I felt as if Arsenal were trying to test it, but they couldn't quite test it well enough. And it was that sort of thing where yeah. again, like two kids doing karate. There's some there's a very obvious weakness, but no one mm-hmm. can quite hit it.
0: It looked like I said on studio as well. It kind of looked like there was a point where I think I tweeted about it as well. That people, both sides, almost looked too scared to take control yes, of the game. That's yes, exactly what it was for right. for fear yeah. of like losing control, even though they weren't really in control. So it was just like it's a bit like Spider-Man, Mimi. Yeah, it was like you go first. <laughs> you go first. No,
1: you go first.
0: What you said, Carl, about Aaron Wan-Bissaka was really interesting because I think that was where Arsenal. You, you noticed that if Arsenal had had Tierney and Aubameyang down that left-hand side yeah. or even Saka yeah. really down the left um, because that has been a real thing that Arsenal have targeted a lot this season the left-hand side even going back to last season when they would start scoring the Arsenal goal that they yes. did a few times it would always be worked out left back out to the keeper outright and then the switch would be made right to left and it would it would catch people off guard all the time you really notice that without three of the their key players that were missing on the weekend mm.
1: I think I think they, if they play I think if them free play I, I think we at least score what we've got to take from that is I again I was afraid in that game because simply because Man United for me the players that they had out they're supposed to do a lot more to us than they did a lot more
0: when I was looking at the pass map after the game you kind of just looking at them if someone had said which teams are which I think I would have put them the other way around yeah yeah, because Man United had way more completed passes, and the actual pass maps was very similar to what Arsenal's have been this season. Whereas Arsenal's, you could actually see the amount of attempted longer passes yeah. that Arsenal were trained. It was like Arsenal were clearly playing, trying to catch Man United on the break. Yeah. And I think that was actually quite smart from Arteta. I think if you've seen this season, you know the biggest catfish in the whole Premier League is that Arsenal have the second best defensive best record. record. <laughs> And no one's talking about it. I feel like the guy like in Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I'm just like, look
4: <laughs> like, like, look, Oli and Arteta are really interesting. I'm not going to say polar opposites, but they've got some really interesting approaches as to how they want to play football, right? So Arteta is very much and it's built from the back. Let's get our base fundamentals in there. And you can see he's trying to build Arsenal like a house. Start with your foundations and then build, 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 build. And then Oli's approach has very much been I'm going to be a bit more reactive and steer into the skid. And I think mm-hmm. Manchester United will very much, you know what? At some point, the defence doesn't really matter mm. because we've got all these weapons up front. So let's just fine tune that and get clobbering people. So it's the
0: yeah. reverse. And I think... Channel you're in a Keegan. Yeah. And mm. then, you know, I'm not
4: going to say each one's right or wrong because there are some points where Manchester United look amazing and there's some points where they don't. And some points where Arsenal look amazing and some points they don't. Yeah. And it's just that very interesting approach to, and this is why we all still watch football and we'll watch football for 20, 30, 50 years and not get bored because there's always something, right? Mm-hmm. And even it doesn't necessarily have to be new, but these things keep changing and there's more than one way to win a football game and there's more than one way to get things done and there's sometimes just weird stuff happens, right? you, you know what? one go going, nah, mm-hmm. score and we'll figure mm-hmm. out later. And you've got mm-hmm. another guy going, X's and O's and we'll figure out the, the other stuff later.
0: Yeah, it's a bit like techno and jazz, man. I think like uh Arteta <laughs> needs like a good, you know, sixteen bar kick drum before anything kind of really happens. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, and then we'll bring the pads in and then, you know. Whereas like Ollie's just like, give me a C. Yes, Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah let's work with that, man. When I watch um like the game, you see like the Willian chance. And what I love about um about football, especially when you're going through a certain phase, and you have to say at the moment, Willian's going through a phase where I uh, I think that even though fans are not in there, you tend to feel that they're not having him right now, um, simply because they they, they just want more. They just want more. You can't blame them. But at the same time, what I love about football and when he's playing, it will give you the opportunity to redeem yourself. And then what it comes down to is how confident am I to do what I know I can do. Mm -hmm. So when that chance goes to Willian, even just the way... He, he he kind of like c- controllable to finish it. I just thought he's not he's not scoring that. I just felt like he's not scoring that. And as much as it looked like yeah he's close and he's got to take it. Can he can he do it quicker? It just seemed to be somebody who was going through the steps in his head. Let me control it. Let me. Let me get it here. Let me do. That's
0: too. That's too long. It was. It kind of reminded me of like when you first started playing FIFA after ages. You're like ah <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot what what the finesse button was, and he just like pass it straight to the keeper. And it's like
1: when you saw Mo Salah's goal, oh, touch man. and finish right. Oh. This is what I'm talking about. Where you know what that reminded me of the Mo Salah goal in respect of somebody just on pure instinct and just raw ability. It's a goal what Suarez scored against Newcastle. Left back hit it about 50 yards. He controlled it on his shoulder, on yes. his knee.
0: It went around the keeper. it
1: was all in a movement. Salah's touch and finish in that game. And again, right, I, I have to go back to what you say about the celebration because the fans are not there. He probably celebrates unbelievably if fans are there. But because it feels like a training ground situation in a, a reserve football match, He's just done something that is, is what you pay to see. Mm -hmm. You pay to see that. And like, he's just like, yeah, cheers, thanks. Almost genius how he's done it. Almost genius.
0: I thought watching that, that he kind of, it looked like a little bit like, have I just done that?
1: (laughs) The technique and everything in that. And the mind is working so quickly because remember, the ball's coming from where it's coming from. And the, the touch with the outside of his foot as well, with his left foot, and then to finish as quickly was fantastic. I saw some great finishes this weekend. Harvey Barnes's finishes as well. Harvey Barnes' finish was brilliant the way he, he took that. Uh, Patrick Bamford, we're going to mention Patrick Bamford's. His one was brilliant. But Harvey Barnes's one, he just went bam bam and shot so quickly with his last two touches that you think to yourself, I wish I was playing.
0: I love those touch those goals where it's almost like you don't have to take an extra step after your control. It's it's like all one movement. Sometimes it just happens where it's like, oh, actually it's easier just to hit this now. But it looks so good. It looks
1: so beautiful. I'm going to tell Moose, I'm going to do a book. In the end, it's all about the touch. Yes. I'm doing (laughs) it. It's got to be, because what you you want to show kids and what you want to show people is, is that if you focus hard, really hard on the first touch, it makes everything easy. I had to explain Mm. the other day to somebody about, Callum Wilson's second goal against Everton. Yeah, I found that should, a really interesting... It shouldn't have, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have happened. It, the, the goal should not have happened. He should not have been able to score. And because it was Pickford, it was. I remember when the ball came into him, guys, and his touch was bad, I thought, ah, oh, he's missed the chance. And then when you look at what Pickford does, Pickford's natural reaction is, because when a goalkeeper sees someone with that much time that he's coming, he's going to bear down on him, All that the goalkeeper has, I need him to have a bad touch. That will give me the extra yard I need to get closer. So he has the bad touch. Pickford goes and stops. So he kind of negates his whole, the space he's meant to close down. And then he's out of whack with the, 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 where he is in respects of the angle of the goal. So when you look at it, Callum Wilson takes the touch. It's a bad touch. And then the ball gets in his feet. But because Pickford stopped, Pickford should be right in his face by now, but because Pickford stopped, Callum Wilson's then been able to get the ball out his feet, look up and Pickford's left the whole right side of the goal because he's lost his his angles. And this is when I watched it, I thought to myself, you know something, that's poor goalkeeping.
0: Mm. Man, it's one of the rare occasions where you're actually like, Pickford needs to be more hype.
1: (laughs) He has to, his instincts told him, you know what I mean? I'm looking at the touch. The touch is bad. So what happens? Let me t- explain to people. And I don't want to act like people don't know football. Or I'm I'm speaking to somebody, but speak to somebody who hasn't got an absolute clue. But sometimes you have to speak to somebody when you're trying to explain that. I always talk like I'm speaking to an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old. This is a right. TED talk, man. Right? Yeah, I I'm trying to, to <laughs> trying to explain. Trying to explain to you. That, that you are playing chicken with the goalkeeper. The chicken is wait. The goalkeeper is waiting for you to have the bad touch. Mm. Um, Jordan Pickford, he had the bad touch. He's supposed to go and close that space. And I remember watching Gabriel Martinelli against Chelsea when Kante slipped. Right. And it was elite, right? It was elite. He had like four, maybe five elite touches of football at pace. Mm-hmm. So what happens when he goes through, if you can remember that goal, Kante slips and he's from the halfway line. So all the time he's thinking, so he's, at, he's away from home, the crowd are there, he's thinking, you, you're touched. If you're touched, all the goalkeeper needs there is for you to have a bad touch. You have to have it at some stage because when you have a bad touch, which was meant to happen to Callum Wilson, at some stage, you've got to look for where the ball is because it's not where you want it to be because your touch has been bad. So now you have to find the ball. Oh, it's over there. That time, oh, it's over there, is where the goalkeeper should be coming to close you. So when you look up, your angles have changed. You've missed the opportunity. Gabriel Martinelli had four unbelievable touches. By the time he got to the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper couldn't do anything and he just slotted it past him. That's what good touches do.
0: And they matter all around the football pitch. If you can take one touch that essentially does the job of what two touches would normally do mm-hmm. if, when you get down to like five-a-side five, level or whatever kind of thing. Then you've bought yourself an extra second. Yeah, yep. and the great players do it naturally. Yeah, it? and if, at the back, for example, it's really key, especially yeah. now with passing out the back. Keepers, essential. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and strikers. It was a goal on the weekend. Oh, it was Lorient's winner against PSG. Mm-hmm. It's not really a touch, but it's in the last minute. PSG have all pushed up for a winner. And it's one of those where the camera pans out and you're like, oh, they've got no one back. <laughs> and he's playing through. And he does the thing where he puts across a defender. the defender yeah. just outside the box. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of win-win then, isn't it? Yeah. That movement has it's completely taken that defender out of the picture. Even though he's half a foot behind yeah. you, can't do anything. Can't do anything, yeah.
1: Dave Seaman, we used to talk about finishing. I found it more interesting talking about it. And then Dave Seen would stand on the side with Bob Wilson. And I'd go through and I'd say, what about this, this angle here? He says, well, all I'm thinking is, right, I know my angle now. Now I'm hoping that you have a bad touch. I need you to have a bad touch because that's going to give me the extra yard to come closer. So when you look up, I'm, I'm bigger. And that's with Salah's finish. With Salah's finish, the goalkeeper, where the ball was coming from, the goalkeeper is definitely thinking, okay, once he's had his touch, I'll be able to get there because it's coming from such a lot. But the touch is so great. And then the other touch is so quick. And that's what the great players can do. It just negates you. So the goalkeeper's got literally no chance. And that's why it looked easy because his touch made it easy. No one could do anything because the touch was so good. Defender can't get close enough. Goalie can't close down. All he's got to do is just flick it into that corner. Yeah. And that is and all... Not it's exactly
0: they're not oh, so set is it against West Brom. Yes. That's yeah. that, beautiful.
1: We I remember yeah. we we spoke about it.
0: Yeah. Like, is a classic thing that Moose always brings up as well, like the George Ware head down hits it before the keeper's set his feet. Yes.
1: The keeper can't set his feet and all, these are the things that when you're when when you watch finishing and that like I say, like when I watched when I watched Cavani's one, I thought it's just like, even at that, that level, even at that level. You can get the basics wrong, and you can miss from a yard out.
0: I have a question about that second Cavani one, where it was a bit behind him. That one, do you think he should have left it for Martial? Yeah,
1: he should have. Yeah, but that's again Martial and the fact that he doesn't command that area. You know, if because for me, if someone's going in and Shearer's coming behind him, or someone like even if I was coming behind somebody, I would make them know I'm on. I'd make them know because that's a tap, that is a proper tapping for Martial, which I thought that some of his runs um, in that game were so basic and poor. Cavani would run in there and he'd run in behind him Mm. instead of right. oh, Cavani's going there, let me peel out behind. Or Cavani's here, let me dart across him. It's so basic what he does that it makes me think, do you actually work on movement at all? Because he's right behind him. It looks like he's somebody who's just... I'm going to run in there with my big, my big brother's going in. I'm going to run in there as well. He's copying him because what he should have, what he should have done was is that Cavani, as Cavani was getting to go in for that, he should, Cavani should have came out and he should be going in because he's in a better position because he's coming onto it better. Cavani is overshot. He's overshot because that's why in the end he's off balance. The ball's behind him. He's trying to flick it in with the right foot. Into the into the um the left hand post, and it was a simple chance for Martial. But Martial hasn't got the command of the box for 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 Cavani to leave it. He's not
0: going to leave that. There's a really good piece about Anthony Martial that uh, I think people should maybe read. done yeah. it? By uh by a young a young lad. Do we know? Carl him? Anker from the Athletic. What is it? tell me uh, about it I I, oh, have you already
4: done it Have you already done it? I've already done it I wrote a piece about Martial and why he's uh, can very often stand in the wrong place mm. uh, and I think one thing about Martial last season I mean for, throughout his career was he always had above average finishing and he always had that you know when, when it was Martial FC it was because he could always just get a bit of magic out of somewhere and yeah. he could do those like how have you done that mm. um, so even when he's you know he's his movement wasn't great or when his defensive ability wasn't amazing, even when things were going really bad, he knew he could still get something out of nothing. And now his finishing boots have left him a little bit and it's all the other weaknesses have come to the fore. It will come back. Martial is one of those players where I, I think it's one of those things where you can get finishing back. It's just a case of getting your arm around you and having, and you know, having someone, take you through the steps and you, you've talked about this Ian as well about finishing ability and how you need to start practicing constantly getting back in but you do worry when when your strong point is one thing that you have to be born with and your weaknesses are things that need to be coached in theory it should be fine but you do go come on mate he'll come he's got good relationships with people like Bogdan Rashford can I ask you one more thing about finishing because you, you mentioned also, about full back finish they showed a clip of your goal against Everton and you said it's a, it's a fall, fall over. You have to finish. fall
1: away. You have to fall away yeah. to get the angle to the far post because what happened with Callum Wilson, what happened with Callum Wilson is he went around the goalkeeper, but he was too close. He, was too, he got too close to the ball. And there was two occasions where he could have done a finish where he just whipped it across himself with his, with his left foot. Because if you're standing next to it, it's going to be hard to get the angle on your foot to try and get it in. That's why in the end, he hit the outside of the post. So once he went past the goalkeeper first, that's the that's, he should have instantly just, with his left foot, f- hit it and fell away like that. That gives him the angle to the far post. So like, it's like a, a fadeaway in basketball. Fadeaway, that's, that's what it is. So then you get the angle. So then you get the angle, Carl, because like if you try to stand up and mm-hmm. then the, remember the goal, the, the, the angle of the goal is going like that all the time. It's moving away from you like that. So till it comes like you can see a line. Mm-hmm. And so by the time he gets there, all he, he's, all he's got is the, He's trying to contort his body to whip his left foot under the ball to get it into the goal, but it's going past the near post. Whereas if you do the fall over before you get there, you can get a longer stretch on your leg and you can aim for the far post. And then you, you probably go in the middle of the goal. I am
0: really sorry for everyone listening because we got a full visual demonstration of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> which is, At one point, I thought it was just like, is right doing the robot?
5: <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by 3M. 3M has always been driven to improve lives with science and innovation. It's this forward-thinking mindset that led 3M to invent household items you've come to know and love, like post-it notes and command hooks. But 3M believes they have a responsibility to use their science to improve lives in even more ways. That's why they're responding to the COVID-19 crisis by working on solutions for some of today's biggest challenges – as a leading provider of personal protective equipment, 3M is producing critical products for healthcare workers and first responders, and donating to local and humanitarian aid partners around the globe. They're also making more respirators than ever before, with plants working around the clock, producing more than 95 million respirators per month in the U.S., helping those on the front lines continue the fight. 3M Science Applied to Life. Learn more about how 3M is helping the world respond to the COVID-19 pandemic at 3M.com/slash COVID.
1: I think the best finish this weekend. Obviously, I think Mo Salah's touch was amazing. It's a great finish, but Patrick Bamford's finished. Patrick's getting flowers, by the way, right now. He's somebody that I admired greatly. He was one, he was another one of those players that was involved with me um, at um MK Dons when I was down there. So I always take credit for him and Delli, whatever they do. Um, <laughs> so he was there and I used to do a lot of finishing with Patrick back because his left foot is so good. And when I saw the way he finished that one, it was so, it was so good. At first, when he went through on it, I'm thinking, just hit it. Ball was spinning nicely. And when he hit it, it just spat, it just kept moving away from Casper. Cas- from, from it was so good. It was just beautiful, man. Chris. Yeah, it was crisp yeah. and lovely.
0: Quietly yeah. satisfying. Like even with the pass, for example, like the assist. You know, the assist was, was like-
1: it's perfect, Rye. I heard you speak yeah. about it. And you know what's good yeah. about that is that you'll get some strikers and some people who would want to finish that themselves. And like you mentioned, you mentioned you mentioned there was six minutes to go and against a team like Leicester as well, hmm. who I thought were, especially for that goal, so laxadaisy. Remember that came from their free kick. And... For him to square it to him and finish the game is, it was brilliant execution simply because it literally kills Leicester off. It, yeah. it, 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 inside them, they've, they've, they've been like, that's it. It's over.
0: It's like over. The, uh, in the NBA, they call it the dagger. Yeah, they? it like is. That, honestly. That's like six points up and a three-pointer with 20 seconds to go. is like, There's the dagger.
1: But that's football intelligence as well. Sometimes you see people go through and like they've scored a goal and their partner's in and, you know, there's still like five, 10 minutes to go in the game. And they, and they don't square it, finish the game. Because not really, what happens when you do square it, he gets the score. And then because the other team's now deflated, you might get another one. Mm-hmm. And then you could go through and then you could take the chance of finishing yourself because you've got a, two, a two-goal cushion. And what I love about what he done there is that he literally, he finished the game. But Leicester, Leicester got Leicestered, bro, by Leeds. Yeah. They lestered them, especially when you look at the second goal. I saw Mendy. So it went out to the left. And Mendy, who's the holding midfielder, this is one thing to myself, when you watch the video back, you must, be, you must be embarrassed. Mendy, Sionchu, I think it might have been Pereira as well, all dived in. Mendy dived in on the line. Sionchu went and dived in on the line. And then Pereira, with the last pass before it went to the, the, the left-hand side, he dived in. So then they just, just ran through on goal and you think to yourself, could have been so avoided, but Leeds was oh, so doing, lads. Leeds was so, Leeds was so good. And sometimes there's something about Leicester that I do like, but then all of a sudden it's just like they're juggling and it's going brilliantly and then bam, everything just falls. And no Jamie Vardy.
0: I think that's a lot of the season as well, though. I think that just, I mean, I i, I understand that people who listen to the Ring FC feed are probably bored of me making excuses for footballers this season. But I just do think that like, you know, with Everton, for example, losing home to Newcastle, Oh, Newcastle just, were
1: very good though they very, very were very good but it's almost on like,
0: paper on paper it's kind of like on paper there are no surprising results at the moment because any night can be just, your night it's just and it's all so over the place but where and did like,
1: that performance come from with Les- uh, with Newcastle simply because they haven't been playing like that this is one i it, it
0: was the Bielsa man it was Bielsa big and Steve Bruce up <laughs> you know ball but it was just but it was just like you could see like Bielsa's the kind of guy isn't he just to be like he, you can imagine Bielsa just loving Steve Bruce. Yeah. It's just yeah. one of those things. It's like Pep, Pep and Eddie Howe or something like that. You know, it's like, yeah, of course you love Eddie Howe. Steve's um, a lovely man. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely like, speaking of people, yeah. And like Bielsa loves Bamford. That's oh my God. You know what? amazing like manager-player exactly. relationships in the Premier League. It's like, beautiful. Faith, right. Yeah. Like I can just imagine them hanging out together and not speaking. I mean, They're just like being in each other's company. But
1: I remember seeing a goal, what he scored in in practice. Did you see that one, Rai? What Bamford scored in practice and Bielsa, he walked something like 15, 20 yards to hug him. I think, especially when you look at what Bamford's been through, like what six loan moves, you know, some of the Mm. things, even when Sean Dyche was talking about his, his upbringing and the fact that he's, you know, private school stuff, all stuff that is absolutely meaningless to, to a footballer in respect to what he's doing on the pitch, mm. you know, talking about palace fans, how he runs. Oh, I don't like the way he runs. Oh, I don't know. You know, he's been through so much in his in his short space of time, people talking about him not being able to do that. He'll never be able to ch- um, turn into a, a premier league striker. The Leeds fans as well got to get a lot of credit as well for, for sticking with him. Even when you looked at some of those games that he played in, and he did miss some really, mm. really easy chances but the manager stuck with him and it's, I, I'm not sure if you'll ever, you can look too many places and find a manager with that much faith in a player that you could have dropped at any stage in the last three years or whatever it was. Any stage and no one would have said, oh, that's a bit out of order. He's stuck with him and now look, he's five goals off his best tally and he's probably going to score more. Yeah, he's probably going to score more. It's
0: so more. nice it? when you just see a player land somewhere finally. Oh yes. God, it's, so it's happy just really him. just like, yeah, no. You know, you know mm. like, uh, you can just imagine them kind of looking around and being like, no, this feels like home.
1: Banfield's got flowers.
0: I think the subject of this podcast is less hate, more
1: hugs. Absolutely, man. Like Musa said, bro, in the end, it's all about football.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Usually for Musa, in the end, it's all about some kind of sweet goods.
1: <laughs> guys, thank you so much. Really, uh, hey, fa- you know what, guys? You've cheered me up. Ryan hey. Hun, thank you very much. Carl Anker, thank you so much. I'll be seeing you guys soon again. Yeah, for sure. Nice man. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for coming. I love you. Thank you very much for joining us on Righty's House. Hope you enjoyed the show again. Thanks to Ryan Hun and Carl Anker of The Athletic. We'll see you again next week. Stay safe, guys. Stay safe and be as happy as you can be. God bless. Take it easy.